Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging water stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Sorry, terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, O Lord. Until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, you made your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her, with tambourines and with dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Well, do keep that passage uh, from Exodus chapter 15 uh, open in front of you, and let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help this morning. Uh, We pray for your help uh, to find hope in dark days. We pray that we might leave with uh, greater confidence in you this morning. And we pray for that as we look at this song together and we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we were praying about earlier, we live in very dark days. I think most people are are quite reluctant to use the word evil. You know, it's a very strong word. We don't like to use that word without good reason. But you'll have noticed that the word evil is being very freely used at the moment in relation to recent events. 
Now, I guess uh, we could look back over history and see that it's not actually unusual to live in dark days. But I think at the moment we really are feeling it, aren't we? It's been one senseless act of violence, one violent horror after another, uh, culminating in Paris and with even more violence in Mali just a, a couple of days ago. If we have children, we might well be wondering uh, at the moment the kind of world they're going to grow up in. So much evil uh, all around us. What can we do in the face of such reckless evil? What can we do? Well, we could sing. We could sing. After all, uh, 75 years ago, in the dark days of uh, the Second World War, that's precisely what people did. The evil of Nazism was creeping across Europe and every night it would feel very close as the nation hid away in air raid shelters from the Nazi bombs. And apparently a big part of the air raid shelter experience was singing, singing together. They sang old favourites like Run, Run, Rabbit, Run, the Chattanooga Choo Choo, and Roll Out the Barrel. If you don't know the song Roll Out the Barrel... Um, let me tell you how the chorus goes. These, are, these apparently are the words which brought some comfort as the Nazi bombs got closer and closer. And I quote, Roll out the barrel, we'll have a barrel of fun. Roll out the barrel, we've got the blues on the run. Zing, boom, tararol. Ring out a song of good cheer. Now's the time to roll out the barrel for the gang's all here. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. They don't write lyrics like they used to, do they? <laughs> Thank goodness. But actually, I'm serious. I'm quite serious. It might well make sense to sing. However, what if we could sing something which actually meant something? Something with more than just a sort of distraction something which connected with the reality of facing evil and destruction. Uh, something a bit more like the song we've just had read to us from Exodus 15, the song of Moses or the song of the sea. Uh, it's a song sung by the people of God, the Israelites, on the edge of the sea, just after they've been rescued from an army intent on destroying them violently. Uh, we heard about what happened last week. The people had found themselves trapped On the one side, there was Pharaoh's army bearing down on them. On the other side was the sea. It was a really desperate situation, and they were terrified. Their faith and trust in God and in Moses, his servant, crumbled under the pressure. But then the Lord acted. He divided the waters of the sea and allowed the people to escape on dry land. And as Pharaoh and his army attempted to pursue, he brought the waters crashing down on their heads And the last verse, the very last verse of chapter 14, just shows how much the people were transformed by that wonderful act of rescue. Let me read it to you. When the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Well, that was the documentary. This is the musical The very, very first way that people show their reverence and trust in the Lord is to burst into song, led by Moses. And uh, we can see that it's a song overflowing with confidence in the Lord. 
Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song is become my salvation. And it's a song overflowing with praise. He is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. In fact, verse 1, this is a song sung directly to the Lord. You threw down, the song goes. You blew with your breath, Lord, who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. So it was a song sung at a particular moment, but the song then had an ongoing role in the life of God's people. It was a way for them to remember what the Lord did, to recover that feeling of confidence and praise, to fan in their praise into flame, even at times of national crisis. The purpose of the song is to take people like that, who are trembling in fear in the face of evil, and bring them to instead resonate with confidence and praise to the Lord. And I say resonate with confidence and praise because I guess that's what singing does. Uh, If you're sitting up next to the organ uh, this morning, you'll know exactly what I mean. When the organ gets going, you'll find yourself resonating, your whole body resonating. Perhaps you quite like that, which is why you're sitting there. Well, we sing this song and we're, we're all brought to resonate we'll all be filled even if we're not next to the organ with a deep full reverberating confidence not just confident in principle not just confident if we stop to think about it but confident through and through all our thoughts uh, emotions affections desires feelings and that kind of confidence is infectious it builds community And the singing helps with that. Remember the singing in the air raid shelters in World War II? Even singing nonsense songs helped to drive out the fear and build community, at least for a while. How much more than a song with real content to it? It's a song which, yes, it does begin with individual confidence and praise. So you can look again at verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. But then Moses brings all of the Israelite men to join him in that song. And then when the men had led the way in singing, Miriam picked up her tambourine, verse 20, and led all the women in singing. And so the whole community was built up in confidence and praise. But how does the content of the song help with that? Well, in the remainder of our time this morning, I hope we're going to see it's quite simple. Moses first gets the people to look back with praise. To look back to a decisive victory over evil, seeing the sovereign Lord at work. And then that allows them to look forward, to look forward with confidence to future victories over evil, trusting the sovereign Lord to bring them about. Looking back and looking forward. And it's a pattern we can tap into reading this ancient song as Christians. In fact, for even greater confidence and praise. So it might seem a little unlikely to you that a mere song could transform people trembling with fear and despair in the face of evil into people resonating with confidence and praise. But let's see. Let's look a little bit more closely at the two halves of this song. Beginning with verses 1 to 10. Looking back with praise. Looking back with praise. There are several things to say here. Look back to a decisive victory over evil. Look back and see a force we cannot defeat. Look back and see the Lord doing what we cannot do. And then as Christians, look back to the 
the comprehensive disarming of evil on the cross. Look back to a decisive victory over evil. This is indeed, what's described here, is indeed a victory over evil. Now we know this to some extent from the context. After all, what is evil? What is evil? We use the word whenever we're confronted with something irrationally violent, full of deceit and destruction. We have certainly seen that in Pharaoh. He's been full of deceit. First he says, go, and then he says, die, and he sets his army to hurtle madly towards the Israelites with murderous intent. But even more fundamentally than that, evil is that which sets itself against the Lord God Almighty. You see, the Lord is the creator. He's the origin of order, blessing, and life. Evil is that which sets himself, itself against him, bringing disorder, destruction, death, through deceit and violence. Pharaoh has set himself against the Lord. He's hardened his heart to the Lord. In other words, he has become an instrument of evil. But look with me in this song, how the song confirms this, this link between Pharaoh and his army and evil. I wonder if you noticed how many times the Israelites sing about the Egyptians being cast into the sea. Uh, even in the very first few verses, it's there in verse one. The horse and his, its rider he has hurled into the sea. So again in verses four and five, Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sink to the depths like a stone. And then again down in verse 10, but you blew with your breath, Lord, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And the picture building up as we sing the song is, is one where Pharaoh and his army are, are cast into a place they deserve to be, cast into the sea. But the sea in the ancient world was a place with all sorts of really significant associations. It was seen as a place of chaos and destruction. It was linked to the underworld, the place of death and evil. If you know the book of uh, Daniel, later in the Bible, think of the beasts emerging to terrorize God's people in Daniel's vision. And where do they come from? They come, uh, they come out of the sea. Or in Revelation 13, the beast that comes out of the sea to wage war against the saints. Here in Exodus, Pharaoh and his army are being cast back into the sea. Back where they belong. Evil swallowed up into the place of evil. Verse 12, you stretched out your right hand, Lord, and the earth swallowed them. So then, given that, what are we looking back at? We're looking back and seeing a force, a force we cannot defeat on our own. As the people faced this hostile army bearing down on them, it, it would have been very clear that they were facing something they couldn't deal with on their own. It would have been very, very obvious at the time. There were chariots and horsemen. They're confident of success, boasting, verse 9, I will pursue you, I'll overtake, I'll divide, I'll gorge myself, I'll draw the sword and I'll destroy you. This was the superpower of the day with its high-tech army. 
bearing down on defenseless civilians, including women and children. But it's all the more clear just how defenseless they were when we see that this army represented the forces of evil. They were instruments of evil. It's something we need to face up today as well. We cannot defeat evil on our own. Sometimes, of course, uh, we feel we can. You know, we feel we can deal with it. Just at the moment, the world order is uniting against IS. The UN Security Council is about to act. The commentators are confident IS will lose in the end. But really, it's not so easy as that, is it? It's not so really easy to defeat evil with one or two drone strikes and some well-aimed cruise missiles. There are 30,000 armed fighters in IS, apparently all willing to fight to the death. That in itself is going to be really hard to suppress. And their kind of ideology is not the kind of ideology you can suppress without it popping up somewhere else. Just as violent, just as vicious. In any case, the problem is that evil is, is not just something out there, something apart from us. I wonder when you read about the terrorists in the news, if you're struck as I am, but well, one of the really surprising things is just how ordinary they once were. Yeah, they could have been our friends, they could have been our, our you know, school friends or neighbours. It does make us wonder when you read about where they came from, are they really so different? It shouldn't really surprise us because those same forces of evil, the same forces of deceit and division and destruction and hostility to God are there in all of us. They're not so visibly extreme perhaps, but they're still there. And if your instinctive reaction as I say that this morning is to think, well, not me, not me, well, I'm afraid you've actually proved my point. That's the deceit at work. What can we do to defeat that kind of evil, the evil inside us? Are we going to do it with religious observances? Are we going to do it with an act of sheer self-will or self-control? It turns out, doesn't it, to be not so easy. But then the song encourages, look back, look back and see the Lord doing what we cannot do. The song reminds us the good news is the Lord God can defeat evil. Uh, With Pharaoh and his army, he did defeat evil. And look, he did it really quite easily. Verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. Well, verse 8, the blast, by the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. Verse 10, you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. A wave of his hand, a blast of his breath, and it's all over. He did it, and he did it in the way only the creator God could. I don't know if you've ever noticed this about the, uh, the Exodus story. How does the, the Lord God rescue his people? It happens through his breath, separating the waters, 
creating dry ground for the people to walk on. That should remind us of Genesis chapter one and the Lord God separating the waters at creation to produce dry land for us to live on. And how does he act against wickedness here? By collapsing the water back onto it. That should remind us of the flood, also in the book of Genesis. The waters washing away the wickedness of the world. You see, the forces of evil are indeed intent on decreating the world, you know, bringing disorder and destruction. But the song is reminding us those forces are never as strong as the one who created it. Now, this truth that was an enormous comfort to later generations of God's people, especially at times of national crisis. That's why we hear echoes of this song reappearing throughout the rest of the Bible. The Psalms especially are full of influences from this song. The people needed to be reminded the Lord was still powerful to deal with the evil coming against them. But what about the, that evil within the evil inside, uh, in us too. When it comes to that, I suppose that the song is less comforting. You see, the Lord may well be powerful to deal with that evil, but we might hesitate. Do we really want him to? How can he do that? How can he do that without destroying us? On the one hand, especially in today's climate, we might long for the, for the Lord to sweep away all evil. On the other hand, if we think honestly about ourselves, we might well be glad for the delay. But there's good news here too. This is the great benefit of reading this song through Christian eyes, which means we can look back, we can look back, encouraged by this song, to the comprehensive disarming of evil on the cross. Pete mentioned this last week. How can evil be destroyed without destroying us? And the answer is wonderful. When it's destroyed on the cross. The Apostle Paul says this about the death of Jesus in Colossians chapter two. The Lord Jesus took all the acts of evil that we have done and thought, uh, the complete long list of them, which those things which stood against us and opposed us. He took that list and he nailed it to the cross. And having thus disarmed the powers and authorities, that is the forces of evil, the Lord God there made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So I hope you're beginning to see how this can all transform how we face the reality of evil in our world and in ourselves. Many of us here this morning will feel uh, pretty shaken, I think, by recent events in Paris and elsewhere. And it's more than understandable to be shaken by the, the violent, bragging, taunting propaganda of IS, not unlike the, the boasting of Pharaoh's army here in this song. Others here, uh, many of us perhaps, will feel exhausted in the battle against evil in their own lives. When it comes to the evil in our own hearts, that evil will taunt us still further. As we fight against it, it it taunts us like this, saying, you deserve to be destroyed too. I'm going to take you down with me. 
All of this, whether it's from the outside or whether it's from the inside, is very oppressive, isn't it? But in all these fears, in all these battles, there is hope of victory. There is hope in the Lord. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. With him there is a hope over evil. And in the Lord Jesus, even our own evil is disarmed and defeated. And if we want to visualize that victory, well, here in Exodus 15, we have all the visual imagery we need to do that. Evil washed away. All the evil in the world around us, crowding in. All the evil in our own hearts. Every act or thought of evil we've ever done. All the taunts and jeers and mockery of evil. All of it hurled into the sea. Washed away. Drowned. Shattered under the hand of the Lord. Thrown down. Sinking into the depths like a stone. Sinking like lead in the mighty waters. The deep waters have covered them. And there is no trace. Gone forever. All of which, once we've realized the truth of it, allows us to look forward to the future in a completely different way. This is the second half of the song, verses 10 through to 18, which we'll look at much more briefly. Having looked back with praise then, now we can look forward with confidence, look forward with confidence, because that's what we see in in the second half of the song. Moses has encouraged the people to look back to all the Lord has done for them, and then he encourages them to look forward with confidence to the future. Although we ought to pause here because perhaps it's not obvious that that past success guarantees future success as we're reminded of in the adverts. That's not just true for financial investments but all sorts of things we might think about. If we look back to the World Cup victory of the English football team in 1966 as people like to do, for example, that doesn't really give us any confidence at all in the chances of the England, England football team ever winning a major tournament in the future, ever. So what's different here? What's different about this past success? Well, look at how it works. Looking back here shows us something very important. It shows us the Lord at work with seen already only the Lord the creator of the world can pull off a victory like this one and that's what leads to the conclusion in verses 11 and 12 who among the gods is like you O Lord who is like you majestic in holiness awesome in glory working wonders you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them and the Lord doesn't change which means that he can be depended upon to bring victory in similar circumstances in the future. Hence the confidence of the rest of the song, beginning with verse 13. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you've redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Uh, You can see that that verse in our translations is, is all in the future tense. You will do these things. Uh, as all, all the verses down to verse 18 are, are like that too. That actually hides something slightly curious in the original song, which, which writes about these things in a way you would normally write about the past. 
something already completed. That doesn't make sense, of course, because the events described here hadn't happened at the time this song was first sung. The the enemies that are mentioned here in verses 14 and 15, the Philistines, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Canaanites, these are all enemies that the Israelites hadn't yet met. So the people are definitely singing about the future. But it's very interesting, they're singing about the future in a way that's so certain, it's as if it's already happened. You will surely guide us to live with you. You will surely defeat our enemies. You will surely bring your people home and live among them. Now, we're clearly not in exactly the same historical situation there well, that the details about all those enemies the people were facing don't, don't apply directly to us. But the big promises do. He shall bring us home. He shall destroy all evil forever and we can follow the same pattern as this song we can look back to what our God has done especially at his victory on the cross and that helps us to look forward then with confidence not with fear but with confidence confidence not only that God will ultimately wipe away all evil but confidence that he has acted and will act to save his people from that evil, even the evil in their own hearts. Now, don't mishear me. It's not a, this is not an unrealistic view of the future. We know there's likely to be plenty of hardship, grief and violence and turmoil and pain ahead of us as evil resurfaces again and again. But cling to the Lord Jesus And there is hope and security. And so, to encourage one another in these dark days, we sing. Rather as I did in the air raid shelters of of World War II. Not roll out the barrel or songs like it, you'll probably be glad to hear. But we are going to sing, and we're going to sing very shortly, in fact, uh, the two songs at the end of the service sheet, beginning on verse three. We've seen tonight, that we're, uh, this morning, that we're defenseless on our own against evil. We cannot save ourselves. Our God alone can rescue. But if we belong to Christ, he has rescued. And we can praise him for it. When I first became a Christian, which a few years ago now, I went to church for the very first time one Sunday morning. I have to say I found uh, one of the many things were very strange about that. But one of the things I found really strange was the singing. Really weird. No one else does that, do they? Uh, If you're visiting this morning, you might be feeling that way too. What I hadn't grasped at first back then was that unlike other people, Christians really do have something worth singing about. And there's a very, very good reason to sing if it encourages us in dark times. Uh, So I'm going to pray, and uh, then we'll stand and sing. Let's pray together first. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to pray to you now uh, for your help 
as we confront evil, in our fear of evil, help us to look to you, to your victory, to the victory of the Lord Jesus. Looking back especially to his victory on the cross. Looking forward to that final victory when all evil is washed away forever. And in the meantime, Lord, help us to sing. Help us to resonate with confidence and praise. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.